0: Isn't that something? Well, that's what they all say. They all say that my sports are 90% mental. Then I ask a second question. I say, okay, if your sports are 90% mental, since you've been doing it, have you spent 90% of your time and money developing your mental skills?
1: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Christian Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Christian Morgan. Today's guest is none other than Lanny Basham. He's a highly decorated rifle shooter who won gold in the 1976 Montreal Olympics. But his story starts before then in Munich in the Olympics in Germany four years prior. Lanny won silver. He wasn't really content with silver so he went to a sports psychologist and he was like, hey, I need some help. I want you to help me. I've won silver and I'm not content with that. So the sports psychologist sits Lanny down and he says, hey, if things go well after six months, I'll make you happy and content with silver. Lanny left the office never to come back, only to go on to become one of the most decorated rifle shooters in history. And even now has his name in the uh, Rifle Shooting USA Hall of Fame. Lanny created a system, a mental management system, And this helped him achieve more than he could have without the system. So he set up a business and now coaches and mentors clients how to become the best they possibly can be. Some of his students include PGA Tour golfers, Miss America finalists, the US Navy SEALs, SWAT teams and even the FBI. During this podcast, Lanny and I discuss his system and how it can apply to runners. So enjoy. And please, if you, en- if you like the show and you want to listen to it again, next week I've got String Bean on, also known as Joe McConaughey. Subscribe and then the show will get sent to you automatically without you having to search for it. So enjoy. Lanny, welcome to the show. Good morning. I just wanted you to introduce yourself actually to the listeners.
0: Yeah, okay. Sure. Well, I was a terrible athlete growing up. Uh, I was like everybody else. You wanted to be good at something. And uh, I was kind of slow, short, and uncoordinated. And uh, I'm in about sixth grade and we're studying the Olympics in school. And the teacher makes a statement in class you know, it's possible somebody in this class could be Olympic champion someday. I wanted to have the best chance. And this little boy sitting next to me jumps right up and says, "Teacher, I don't know who to have the best chance, but I know for sure to have the worst chance, Lanny." And that kind of really made me mad. I realized, you know, I'm, i have got to, I've got to do something about this, this athletic part of me that's uh, uh, not working. And um, so I started reading books about Olympians and, and uh, understood that uh, there was something special about these guys. Something special about the Olympics. I was drawn to it. And uh, I found the sport of international rifle shooting because it was a sport that uh, um, didn't really matter how tall you were or how strong you were or or you know, if you were fleet of foot at all. It was uh, um, a sport where you're trying to make the body stop. It's an Olympic sport, and uh, uh, I, I excelled at that. And uh, there's some stories in there, but I don't know if that's what you want to hear, but. Uh, I finally found myself in the army because the army has a shooting sports program. So, uh, uh, and, and shooting is the second most expensive sport in the Olympics to train for. And so the only way that I was going to get to the Olympics was to, was to go in the army and make that team. And I did, and I managed to make an Olympic team in 1972 in Munich and, um, only two shooters from each country are are allowed to compete in the Olympics. To my sport, there's only 60 shooters total you know, that are competing. And uh, my teammate was the was was favored to win. He was reigning world champion. I had never beaten him. He was uh, had a silver medal at previous Olympics. He was favored to win, but my practice scores were equal to his and sometimes were better than his. And I thought, I've got a legitimate chance to win an Olympic gold medal here, or my first Olympics. And I thought there was a lot of pressure on him because he was um, so, such a favorite and so famous. And uh, there's always more pressure on the guy who's favored to win. And uh, so we get in the competition and I thought, he may choke but he didn't choke. I did. (laughs) I didn't see that coming. And uh, I had a terrible start. Uh, But I managed to recover after I lost so many points that the pressure was off. I didn't think it was possible for me to medal and and ended up with a silver medal. My teammate wins the gold medal. I knew I didn't have a mental game. And so my solution to that was to interview Olympic gold medalists from other sports to find out what they knew. And it took me a couple of years to, to get all this information, but, but I, I saw some parallels. I saw some I connected the dots, and I realized there, there's a system to this. There's a system to how you think, to have consistency in the mental game. And so the first opportunity I had to make the system work was the World Shooting Championships in nineteen seventy four, and in my sport, uh, you have world titles in the World Championship and the Olympics. So the World Championships are every four years, and the Olympics are every four years. So in a quadrennial, you've got two competitions where that that give world titles. Then. Uh, in the world championships. And you had the Olympics in 72, the world championships in 74, and so forth. So this was the world shooting championships in 1974. I run this system, and I ended up winning um, six six individual medals, uh, three three world titles, in, uh, because of this mental process that I had come up with. And I didn't tell anybody about it. I, I uh, so this is my secret, you know, <laughs> this is my edge. And um, I want to take it all to the way to the Olympics. So in the 1976, uh, I won the gold medal in my sport. And uh, then two years later, the world championships comes up and I win the world championships. And, and so for about uh, five or six years, uh, pretty much dominate my sport uh because of this mental management thing and so in 1977 i started a company uh called mental management systems and um and and we've been doing this full-time helping people with mental performance full-time for for uh, 40 44 years so it's uh um it's a full-time i'm a full-time mental mental coach uh, our program is not based on psychology at all. We're not sports psychologists. What we do is um, we find out what the winners are doing, and we teach we teach what the winners are doing. So that's it's one hundred percent competitor based uh, mental training, and we've been successful enough to 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 have fun and stay in, stay employed, and uh, that's what that's what I do.
1: Do you want to tell the story? Cause I have listened to a few of your other <clears throat> podcasts. Do you want to tell the story about when you went to see the psychologist with the silver medal?
0: Well, I mean, you know, this is way back. I, I got the silver medal and and I decided, okay, I want, I want to solve this problem with my money. well, the first thing I thought about was we'd, we'd heard about sports psychology It's sort and I got to understand sports psychology started in 1967, this was 1972. So there probably weren't very many sports psychologists in the United States by that time. I mean, it's in its absolute infancy. And, but I went to the most famous sports psychologist I could find at the time. And he said, how can I help you? And I said, well, I'm number two in the world. I want to be number one in the world. And he says, well, I'm glad you came to me because uh, you work with me for about six months. I can get you okay with being number two in the world. and I kind of ran out of his office. And, and, and I don't, I don't want people to think I'm down on sports psychology at all. I'm just, uh, but, but his training, he, he was not trained in the thing that I wanted to know. And that is how do I have a consistent mental performance under pressure in, 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 in the pressure of the Olympics and how do I win the Olympic gold medal? And uh, he he probably knew how to get me okay with the disappointment of not winning. Maybe he could handle that all right, but that wasn't my problem. So uh, so then I, that's when I started looking at at at, at uh, the the winners because I figured okay maybe they do know. And and I got some incredible information. I honestly think I got information that nobody else could get because when you're a silver medalist in the Olympics and you call a gold medalist and you don't know them, they don't know you, but you you leave a message in your answering machine, that's the way it normally worked in those days. We didn't have cool cell phones and emails and stuff like that. You, you would call a number and uh, leave a message. But when you leave a message, like I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Lanny Basham. I'm a silver medalist in Olympics. I need your help. Will you call me back? They always do. They always do. And they were wonderful to me. They, they shared everything they knew about the middle game. I wasn't competing against them. They didn't ha- had no reason to hold anything back. And, uh, and when you collect all that information together, you start seeing parallels and so you start seeing things that, that, uh, why didn't you see that? Well, you didn't see that because you didn't, you didn't talk. You have all this data, and when I when I got it, I, I realized that uh, this is something that you can learn how to do better, and and that made a huge difference. And then, of course, I kept looking and I kept refining and kept testing things, and and uh, it got better over the years, and it's better now. I mean, the the program that we teach today is superior what I used, and uh, uh, but what I used worked
1: were all the people who you interviewed gold medal winners
0: uh, not all of them some of some of them were 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 but they were they were elite performers they 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 were they were people that um um uh, they were at the top of their game uh and uh and some some of the sports that i interviewed um, what what here's what really happened you you start out with people you know and so I started out with shotgun shooters and archers and people that I, that I, that I knew. And, but if, if you have the, the uh, if you have the the phone number for, um, for, for let's say one uh, shotgun shooter, you probably can get the phone numbers of all the Olympic shotgun shooters. And if you have the phone number of an archer, you can get all the Olympic archers uh, phone numbers. And so uh, and, and then it's, it's the same thing with all the other Olympic sports. So you start walking through some of these. And so uh, I certainly wanted to, because I wanted to go to the Olympics, I certainly was interested in, in the Olympics. But, but in, then you also realize that there are other uh, elite levels, like the world championships. You're, you can be a world champion. It's as it's, it's, it's difficult to win the world championships in most of these sports than it is to win the Olympics. The same guys are there. So you got to you got to beat the same guys. It's the same course of fire. It's the same uh, same system. And so, uh, what I didn't do, which was a big mistake, I, I wish I had done this. I wish I had documented everybody I talked to, because that would have made a terrific book. Just just the conversations that I had with some of these people, because I'm quite sure that some of the people that I had uh, uh later probably did great. i mean so, so, some of the people that i talked to were were just were just olympians and they weren't they weren't gold medalists but gosh you make an olympic team that's a, that's no big deal that's no small thing and so uh uh but but i started to see people that that um well, they wanted to talk about it but they just didn't know how to talk about it because we didn't have a common language at the time we had uh, you know, today it's easier because uh, we've had forty years of uh, every year that I have been in this in this game. Um, it's gotten uh, the, the interest in mental training has ing- has, has imp- increased. It's it's never gone down and uh, the acceptance of it. I mean, you ask any top performer today, any Olympic, I'll ask you. I say, what percentage of your your sport's mental?
1: Well, they say, because I do ultra running, and there's a saying, it's 90% mental, and the other 10% is in your head.
0: Yeah, (laughs) isn't that something? Well, that's what they all say. They all say that my sports are 90% mental. Then I ask a second question. I say, okay, if your sports are 90% mental, since you've been doing it, have you spent 90% of your time and money developing your mental skills?
1: Nope.
0: Uh, What percentage have you spent?
1: Really? I'm just getting, learning about it. I'm realizing that it needs attention. So you could say nothing.
0: Yeah, it's, 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 that doesn't make sense, does it? No. I mean that's not logical that is not logical <laughs> well that's the way I looked at it too i thought well what, what one way to look at this though is to, is to say well why 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 is something so important why why do why are, do so many people have that answer even even elite performers why why do you why, why did they have that answer? Yes, I think it's 90% of the game, but what percentage of time have you spent with it? I don't know, 5%. I read, I read a couple of books, you know, something like that. And I'll give you a couple of reasons. One, one is that it's, it's, it's much, much harder. It's, it's much easier to find a technical coach, a forum coach. Than it is to find somebody who can really help you with your mental game. Uh, there, there, there are forum coaches everywhere. I mean, it, it, in in uh, in schools, we have sport in schools. You have school sports like in America, we have, you know, football and basketball and soccer and golf and and basketball, baseball, all that stuff. And all of these these sports have have technical coaches, forum coaches, people that tell you how to throw the ball, hit the ball, whatever it is you're doing, and. But but, there are no mental coaches in there there's no there are no there are no classes in school on how to think you know it it's the assumption is that's up to you that's on you what what do you think about it? we're not going to tell you we're going to tell you how to do something, but we're not going to tell you what to think about while you do it well it it makes sense it to me sense. that you should tell somebody what to, what you want to what you're supposed to think about when you do this and uh but 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 that's one reason the second reason is it's it's much more difficult to teach the mental game than it is to teach form because you can measure form you can photograph it you can video it uh you can you can say to a person see see the way that guy runs i want you to run like him but see that champion see how he does this you you need to you need to do it like he does but try this see that champion see what he's thinking think like that it's 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 not it's it's not it is easy to talk about the middle game and and then people have this uh problem with it. like it's it's actually fun to go take a, a form uh like if you're a golfer i work with a lot of PJ tour players and people like that it it when you go take a golf lesson you get to hit the golf hit the ball well, hit the ball's fun and and things like that but when you come in my door uh you're going to work on you and no and people don't want to do that people don't want to change internally people don't want to have to work on themselves uh you know they 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 want other people to change you know they want buy another piece of piece of equipment they want that that equipment to make the difference, or, or I go take a lesson from this other coach, and that was fun, and I, that fixes my problem well, if your problem is mental and he doesn't help you with the mental game you, it's not going to get fixed, no matter how many pieces of equipment you change or how, or how many different coaches are, or or you know, when you try to change something that's form that's caused by a mental error you now you're working on the thing that's not broken and so it's 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 tough to do this but it's no less important and it and for for a lot of people it's the very difference between good and great so that's the uh, one of the reasons why our business has been good it's because people are beginning to see that mental performance is, is is critical and and i need there's a lot of things i don't know about it so now i once i learn these things i i get better
1: i was wondering did you have a set way of interviewing these gold medal winners or champions in terms of certain questions um how long would they last for and this kind of thing did you have like a structure to your actual interview technique
0: Toward toward the end, uh, I was doing. After I've been doing it a while, I realized what worked and what didn't work. And um, and this has been a while since I've done this. But uh, uh, as I recall, um, the way it normally went is I would leave a message on on their phone. They would call me back, and and we we would we would I would just ask them. I say what. Why why are you winning, and uh, what can you tell me about the mental game? What what do you think about before, right before you you go you go in? Uh, you know, so if, he, if he's a a runner, what what do you think about before the race? What do you think about during the race? What do you think about after the race? What do you what do you when you talk about the mental game to you to, to in your sport? Do you guys have any? classes on it do you do you uh you know is there interest in that or do you talk about it yourselves uh you know what do you call it do you call it mental toughness what do you call it i mean we we just start talking back and forth and um uh is is there anybody in your in your team that's really really good at that and what's his phone number <laughs> you know, Kind of <laughs> things like that and uh so it was it was more of a, a casual i i was interested in what they knew about the middle game um and and i saw some some parallels i saw some differences between the way these guys were talking and um and at one point i started asking some questions from some guys in the middle of the leaderboard. And, uh, and we have a ton of opportunity to, 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 to talk to those people because those people, a lot of times, will call us and, and, uh, and we're talking to them or when they come take training from us. So uh, they're, they're, they're very good at telling us what, what they were thinking about before they read my book or something like that and how, how much, what, what a big difference it was between, uh, as a matter of fact, my son Troy wrote a book called Attainment where he takes twelve uh, different elements that where the top five percenters who do ninety five percent of the winning how they think differently than the people in the middle of the leaderboard, and and so it is it's it's an obvious difference in the way that 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 they think, and and it's what what's different today than um, when I first started doing this is that. People are much more aware now of the fact that they need mental skills than they were back in the 70s. Uh, they're much much more likely to 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 want to pay for it, um, and um, they they're getting we're, we're we're better at at teaching the skills, and so the results that we tend to get uh, are better than than they were back when we were just trying to see. Wh- Can we find out what works? Well, now we know what works. And so it's just a matter of of getting the information to people and and, and their efforts to to get good at it. And then they they improve.
1: So your system, I would guess it has a structure. Do you want to talk about the structure of your um, system?
0: Well, it kind of starts with the idea of, is consistency important in your sport?
1: It is in mind in training. If you're consistent training, then you'll be um, you'll show up on race day in better form than if you're inconsistent.
0: Yeah, and uh, is it possible that there are both helpful and harmful thoughts that a, that a that a runner has?
1: Well, not until I listened to you speaking uh, not too long ago. I didn't realize that that was possible, but that's now changed my perception. So now I understand it is possible to have detrimental thoughts on, well, based on what you said in, in other podcasts.
0: Yeah, there's, there's uh, some sports, you know, if you really look at sport, sport, sports are either proactive or reactive. A proactive sport is one where the athlete initiates the action all they don't, they don't need anybody else. They, 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 they don't respond to somebody else. It, some sports are totally proactive, like golf, archery, rifle shooting is 100% proactive. In other words, a shooter decides he wants to shoot a shot or a golfer decides he wants to hit a golf shot. And, um, so he can run a a mental process, and he can achieve mental consistency in the sense that he can determine what's the optimum thing for me to think about before the shot. Uh, what what's the optimum thing for me to think about during the shot or after the shot? And, and because our action phase is so short, uh, I believe that everything we do in life has three phases to it: as anticipation phase where you prepare to do it, the action phase where you actually do it, the reinforcement phase, what you think about after you do it and the uh in in proactive elements that have short action phases like shooting sports like golf the uh if if you can determine the optimum thing to think about before and after the shot and and run those thoughts on every shot you can achieve mental consistency and the reason why mental consistency is so important is that mental consistency tends to promote Form consistency, and when you're inconsistent mentally, you tend to be inconsistent physically, which causes your performance to drop. So, we we, and then and then even sports that have a long action phase, like if I'm working with a, a marathon runner or a triathlete, and uh, or and, and I have not actually. I'm not real sure that I'm, I've worked with anybody that's exactly doing what you're the, the, the type of running that you're doing, but I. But what? How long is your action phase? How from the time the race starts until the to, until the race is 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 finished? How long is how long is that period?
1: So my next challenge is next year. It's along the Appalachian Trail, which is 2,000 miles, and. Um, I'll start and the world record is 41 days and it's my goal to break the 41 day world record. So I suppose you could break it down into smaller action phases, which are repeated, but it's a 41 day duration of endurance.
0: Right. So, so the, during, during a day, when you, when you start, when you start a run, is, is there uh, on, on one of these days, uh, are are you are you running nonstop, or do you have periods of time when you do stop, or what?
1: Yeah, in between the start and the end of the day, there'll be uh, several points, three or four points, where I'll meet the car and replenish my water, where they meet me at road crossings. So there may be three to five points where you stop for a few minutes and then continue
0: on. Yeah, I I would I would think that that. Um, let me let me describe what we do with with a marathon so that and then you can slice it up however you want you want to do it for the, for your sport but even somebody that has a long action phase like a, a marathon runner or long distance runner is uh, there what you think about immediately before the race uh could could become a, a, a constant in the sense that, okay, I I know that these thoughts are are the most helpful thoughts that I have before the race. So I'm going to make sure that I kind of program those in. And I'm going to I'm going to think about this every time right before the race starts. Okay, that and we're going to call that a mental process. Okay, so I have this mental process and I know what it or not what what works for me and I'm going to do that. And there's a couple of things that we found out that that kind of promote a good a good technical or physical result is that uh you know having having be, being committed uh to to your ability to do this well uh, to rehearsing that you're going to do well to, to even thinking about the how you want to feel out there uh, all these things tend to tend to help uh a an athlete get a good start. Okay, so you so you have a, a mental process for the start of the race. Then you have a mental process uh, for establishing a pace. Then you have another mental process for for hills. And then you have another mental process for when your body starts talking to you. It says, you know, this is stupid. You're hurt. This hurts. You know, <laughs> stop doing this. Okay. And then you have another mental process for the finish for the, for the last lap or whatever. So, so you break down, you break down your, the, the, the race in and, the things that, that are familiar, familiar times when, when things are where there might be an advantage to have a, a slightly different mental thought process to get you further along or faster or, or finish quicker or finish in better shape if if I think about these things as as I'm going through that and and so so in in my sport where the mental process for the action phase is so short we don't even even try to come up with something because the action phase in rifle shooting is it starts when you pull the trigger it ends when the bullet exits the barrel well you don't have to think about anything during that period of time it's so it's too fast but we, we we repeat those the the anticipation and action reinforcement steps for forty shots for prone, forty shots for standing forty shots for kneeling. you know on the target's fifty meters away with a 10 ring the size of an eraser on a pencil, and you better hit it all the time. <laughs> so it's it's uh, it, it, we're shooting between pulse beats and all those kind of things and and so it's a very precision type of sport. But it takes about four hours to do this, and uh, it's 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 quite a mental shot, mental, mental game, and it's and the wind creates a a, a massive variable. So all of this is is uh, w- when a, when a person ignores the mental game, and they're competing against somebody who embraces it, uh, you're going to have trouble beating that person. And so, what happened to me was that that uh, my teammates had more experience than I did. I was on a team where the my three teammates were all Olympic champions, World champions, and I wasn't. And I, I back back when I when I won my first World Championships, and the only way I was never going to catch them is I needed an advantage. And and when I found out what was keep holding me back, I, I wanted to make that be my my advantage. So so I learned more about the mental game and I, I honestly believe that once I figured out mental management that it gave me such an advantage that I when I went around my teammates they never really caught me until I retired. So so it was and 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 they didn't really work on it. I mean so so what happens today is anybody today that that decides that they're going to if they start talk, talking to their competitors and if if their competitors really aren't working on the middle game very much what what if they do you know we we're still living, most sports we still are in the situation where the vast majority of people uh think the middle game is important but they're not doing much about it well what if you do and if you do you should you should gain some ground on those guys you should you should go around some folks and uh, uh, it, 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 could, it, could, it could be a game changer for people like it was for me.
1: Could you talk about the imprint and the self-image?
0: Sure. Uh, I think one of the most important things that I discovered over the years was the idea of how is performance generated? Performance is, I, there are a lot of books that I've read that talk about the importance of, of, of what you think about your thoughts and your skills. Okay, so you read these books and you would think that that the two mental processes that create a performance is you have the right thoughts and you have the right skills. And that's all you need. And I, I discovered that that's not all you need. And there, there's another mental, mental process. That i call that conscious subconscious. And we tend to look at those as circles just to have a way to talk about it. So the bigger the circle is, the better you do. So if you have a, a really good thoughts, and you have really good skills, that should be enough. Well, that's no, not because there, there's there's another circle out there. And I'm going to call it self image. And let me illustrate it this way. If If I don't know if I'm You and I are golfers, and and we have exactly the same thoughts, and we have exactly the same skills. But we go into a playoff together, and you think you can beat me, and I think you can beat me. It's over for me. Yeah. See, that doesn't have anything to do with the thoughts that you have before while you're competing or your skills. It it has to do with with what you think is true about you, and so. I recognize that the self-image, man, you, you, it makes you act like you. It's your habits and your attitudes. That that it, when I started interviewing top performers, I realized that these guys are not thinking the same way that the people in the middle of the leaderboard are thinking. I'll give you I'll give you a big example. I'm working with. Uh, the number one archer, Olympic archer in the world runs our system. And I've been working with him since he was a teenager. And the number one ski shooter in the world runs our system. I'm American ski shooter, runs our system. He's world champion, current world champion this year too. Both of these guys are current, the current world champions. Uh, and when they go into tournaments, they are not thinking about winning the tournament and uh, uh the people in the middle of the leaderboard want uh, are thinking about winning and the people in the middle leaderboard are thinking about getting tens or getting good you know or hitting targets or whatever it is and they're not, they're not thinking about that at all uh they're not trying to win you know and, and uh, they're trusting that they will there's a big difference between trusting and trying and, and the amount of mental effort that you give something is, uh, is, is kind of important. There, there, I, I learned this earlier on that, that uh, everything we do in life has a certain amount of mental effort to do it. And when you give something too much mental effort, then it's required performance drops. I mean, while you're competing, if you give too much mental effort, you get careful. And well, careful. What does that mean? that mean? That means that I really don't trust my training, so I'm going to do something a little bit extra. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to give it a little bit extra here because it's a tournament. I want to do well. I'm going to give it a little bit extra, and that normally that normally causes you to, to to fail. And they know that, and so they're not going to give that mental effort. They're not going to do anything extra. They're going to trust that the training that they that they give. They're going to trust that what they. Have prepared is going to work, and are not going to try to to give something, to do something extra uh, mentally. Now I'm talking about mentally, because when you give something, give too little mental effort, you bec- you become careless. When you give too much mental effort, you become careless. So that's the thing called over trying, overthinking, things like that. Uh, and self image is is kind of like do I believe I can do this? Do I? Do what's my attitude about me and and uh, my habits, my attitude, my habits? Uh, that's what self-image is, and self-image is is uh, grow. You can actually grow your self-image. You can improve your self-image. A uh, couple of examples. Um, every time you think about the problem a problem You're, it relates to to you and some a problem that you might have or something like that every time you think about it your your self image shrinks every time you think about the solution to a problem your self image grows so so what we try to do is we try we try to realize that that, that if the self image is really important then then we should do things that cause the self image to grow well, what what are some of those things Well, what what you actually do creates an imprint in your self-image. Your self-image grows or shrinks based based on imprints. And imprinting works this way. Uh, If you you perform well, what imprints in your self-image is like me to perform well? If you perform poorly, what imprints in your self-image is like me to perform poorly? So it either goes up or down based on what actually happens. That's one form of imprint. Another form of imprint is what you think about. If, if you think about doing something, your self-image moves you to do it. Your self-image grows just because you're thinking about what you want to have happen. And if you worry that you're not going to get it, if you worry about a problem that, that you think you're going to make or you're going to do or a poor result, your self-image it, it imprints and, in that pro, about that problem, and you actually improve the probability you're going to get that. So if I'm thinking about a mistake or a potential finish that, that's undesirable, I'm actually improving the probability that that's going to happen. Because if I keep thinking about that, I'm going to become it. Whatever you think about, you be, that's what it becomes. And so what you think about is important. What creates a self-image. What you talk about I mean, what are you talking about when you talk to other people? Are you Are talking about what you did well or are you talking about what you did wrong? If you're talking about what you did wrong, you're improving the probability you're going to do it more. Well, people normally don't talk about what they did right. They tend to complain about what happened that was wrong. I mean, most sports, almost all sports that I coach, it's, it's, it's become a, it's a culture. We live in a negatively charged culture where people tend to talk about what went wrong not what they liked. And well the top five percenters not all do this, but but so many, so many more do this than 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 not that it's it's noticeable. The top five percent don't tend to complain. And uh, they, they, they they don't tend to talk about what they did wrong. They tend more to talk about what they what they what they like about what they're they're doing. They they, they reinforce what they're doing right more than the people in the middle of the leaderboard do. And I think that's one of the reasons why their self-image is bigger and better and healthier than the guy who's complaining about his problems all the time. So so that's what self-image is. And I personally, you cannot tell the difference between the top five, the, the people that are winning 95% of the medals, an athlete that that wins, the, the top 5%ers win 95% of the tournaments you can't tell the difference between the top 5%ers that win 95% of the tournaments and the and the second 5%ers that don't win it, you can't tell the difference in them they, they they have the same coaches the same equipment they they have the same training methods they have the same uh, access to to uh, to, to information I mean, they're, they're they're indistinguishable. They they, they the, the second five percent should win, but that they don't, and and nothing external is different from the top five percenters, except for one thing. And that's self-image. It's the way they think. The top five percenters are not thinking the same way that the second five percenters are thinking. I know. I was in the second five percenters for three years on the U.S. team. And the top five percenters were thinking differently, but they weren't going to tell me how they were thinking differently. And uh, I'm not sure they even understood that the, how they were thinking differently. But but one of the big, big ways is, is that they thought they could beat me and I thought they could beat me and it didn't matter that my practice scores were the same as theirs.
1: How can I put this? Let me put it this way. I've heard you talk about certain questions to ask a child after a tournament or maybe a coach asking an athlete to to help reinforce positive self-image. Could you talk about those questions and, and what they, well, what the questions are?
0: Uh, Yeah. I, I, um, I've spent a lot of time the last five years or so being very interested in The impact that parents have on their children. Uh, We we've been coaching, been teaching coaches for a long time, and uh, as a matter of fact, um, later today I'll be doing a webinar uh, specifically for on coaches, uh, for coaches. But one of the things that I I, that the coaches are always telling me is that uh, that one of the biggest problems, the hindrances to to their helping juniors. Is that their parents are um, are more of a hindrance than a than a help, especially in terms of of the mental skills. Parents have have expectations of their kids that are unrealistic, or they live vicariously through their children, or or various things. And it's not the parent that that ignores the child that 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 is the problem. It's the parent that that takes them to the car- tournaments and talks to them all the time and. And they're trying to help them. They love their kids, but the, but the things that they're saying to them are, are, are harmful, and they don't even know that it's harmful. It's harming their self-image. Let me give you an example. All right, we live in a negatively charged world. So so one of the worst things a parent can say to their kid, if 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 let's say he's he he plays he plays football, he plays soccer, and and he he comes in from a game and and. Uh, The one of the worst things a parent can say to them is, How did you do? Sounds like a very innocent thing to say for a parent to say. It's a bad thing to say because it's an open-ended question. And what what is because we live in this negatively charged world, the probability is that they're going to talk about what went wrong first. And and it's just because of the culture that we, we live in. So he's going to talk. He probably did a lot of things right, but he's probably going to talk about what went wrong first. So, so by asking an open-ended question, you have actually opened the door for him to reinforce talking about what he did wrong. And that proves the probability that he's going to do it wrong in the future because the self-image is being imprinted by those conversations. And a better thing to say would be to ask him a question like this. Well, what went what went well today? What what did you enjoy? What what was fun? What what did you do right? You know, let's talk about what you did right first. Let's reinforce that, and then maybe the second question after you get that that conversation going, then that maybe the second question should be, what did you learn? You know, making making an error is uh, uh, making a mistake is not a mental error. Making a, a mistake and learning from it is a requirement to get better. Every elite performer that I've ever met, every Olympic gold medalist I've ever met, all say the same thing: I made tons of mistakes. The difference between me. And the guy that didn't win a gold medal in the Olympics is I learned from all my mistakes, and they didn't. So making a mistake is a requirement, and learning from it is a requirement to get better. Making a mistake and complaining about it is a mental error. So, so the second question really is, what did you learn? It, it's OK to, talk, to, 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 to say, here's what I need to do better. I, what I need to do is this. Now you're thinking about the solution, not the problem. So it's perfectly okay to to recognize a, a, a that that you did something wrong. If if immediately you you you're talking about what you need to do to fix it, because that's what creates the self-image growth is, is thinking about the solution. Because every time you think about the problem, talk about the problem, write about the problem, your self-image shrinks. But every time you think about, talk about, write about the solution, self-image grows. So my first question is, what did you do right? That imprints the, 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 all the things that, that they did right. The second one is, what did you learn? Which imprints the, the, the solution to the things that you might not have done right? And the third one is, what are you going to do about it? Because that's a decision does the do, do you is this is this competition that you went to does does that build you or does that break you that's the decision the athlete makes it it's not it's not a reaction it's a response and so so everybody needs to understand about responding instead of reacting and Everything that happens to you in life, is, 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 it's a choice. How do you want to respond to that? Do you, want, do you want to react to it? It takes no mental skills at all to react to something. Reacting is, is simply that, oh, it, it, was, it was pleasant, so I'm happy. It was, it was unpleasant. I'm pissed. I'm upset. You know, okay, that that, that, that you want, you know how to do that when you came out of your mom your mom. I mean, babies know how to do that. When they're happy, they're ha- they coo and when they're when they're not happy, they scream, you know? Well, you you learned that early on. But now it's time as an adult, it's time to to be mentally mature. Let's respond. Let's don't react. Just don't beat yourself up. You ever met an athlete that beat himself up?
1: There are people, in fact,
0: um, who
1: I've met, and they say negative things about their training, or um, and so I can see that from the outside. Yeah, I have met people who do that. Uh,
0: how's that working out for them?
1: Well, well, I, I, what I did was because I'd listened to you, and I heard you talk about how you should say what went right not what went wrong I highlighted that with this particular person and I pulled them up on it and they actually said oh yeah you're right <laughs> I should, I, my wife says I'm always telling her what I haven't achieved and she's always always telling me what I have achieved yeah. so I think it's a pivotal moment in someone's um, I don't know personality when they realize that
0: yeah you're, you're it, it and and it's not easy to do by the way because we we live in a world where you're going to find that 9 out of 9 out of 10 times a person's much more likely to seek out what they're doing wrong as as a topic of conversation than what they did right people are even worried that they're going to come across as being conceited when somebody asks them uh, in a tournament, you know, well, how, how are you doing? I mean, if you're, if you're always talking about how great you are, um, you know, they're going to think you're running for president or something. Uh, You know, this is, this is, this is, this is not what, what we're talking about. What we're talking about is that it's perfectly, you, you, you don't have to be an arrogant person to be positive. You can talk about what you, what, what you liked about your performance. You can, you can reinforce what you did well by talking to other people, by 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 keeping a journal. We 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 believe strongly that if you want your self-image to grow, the, the best way to do it is to keep a performance journal. You know, write down in your journal every, every day that you train, every day that you compete, write down in your journal things like, you know, what I did well today, what I learned today, what I'm gonna do about it. I mean, it's it's, and and when I work with with athletes, uh, when I'm talking to them after tournaments, they know exactly what what how this is going to go. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to talk about what they didn't write, and then we're going to talk about what they learned, and then we're going to talk about what they're going to do about it, and then and then and then I'll answer answer any questions that they've got, but but we're going to go through those three three. Uh, steps those three three questions because you need the reinforcement of this uh, for your for your self-image and and to to direct your training because if you don't document what you're doing how how in the world can you have deliberate practice how can you achieve um, a uh, growth in your sport if you're not documenting where you are right now and it's and it's it's not just where you are as far as times or Things that you can measure physically. It's also what what's your mental state? You know, where's where your where's your how's your how are you doing mentally? We have an, a, a little a journal that we that we sell. It it's actually got a, a, a segment in there to where percentage of time I run my mental system correctly. You know, if 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 I feel like I'm mentally stronger today than I was yesterday, well, the number's going to be higher today that I write down than it was yesterday. And so we're constantly trying to reinforce what we're doing right so that we'll do it right more often.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Is it possible to apply your system to, you know, the general uh, person on the street can, because everyone can improve their lives. So how would, how would they, um, uh, translate your system being a non athlete what things could they do in the day
0: well certain i i think mental management is a is a life skill it's not not just a competitor skill um things like i mean if understanding imprinting i mean you you uh um there's a lot of different concepts that we teach that are applicable to everything that you do um, I think mental management works for everybody. Uh, it's, it's not just a, a, um, a competitor skill. It certainly has, uh, there's certain parts of it that, that may only work for, uh, certain, certain things, but certainly understanding is self image, just, uh, understanding imprinting that uh, every time I think about, talk about, write about something happening, I, I, I improve the probability that that thing is going to happen. That, that That's important uh, in, in, in anything that you do. Understanding the three phases of a task. There's an anticipation phase where I'm preparing to do something. There's an action phase. I'm doing it. There's a reinforcement phase. What I'm thinking about after I do it. And understanding that those three phases are directly linked to the three mental processes. The anticipation phase is a conscious circle issue. The action phase is a subconscious circle issue. The reinforcement phase is a self-image issue. That, that um, uh, you, know, you know, how you raised your kids. I mean, I wrote a book called, called Parenting Champions. And the book is really not just about how to deal with your kids who are competing? It it it's more about it's more about parents realizing that they are the most important mental coach their kids will ever have, and and I don't want them making some mistakes because they just don't know that they're making them. I I, I want it when they read that book to be able to say, okay, I understand that I understand imprinting. So. So I need to know uh, about readiness factors. I need to know about coaching processes. I need to know about stages of learning. I need to know all, the, all know this stuff because it makes me a more efficient parent, more, a better parent to empower my kids to 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 go out. and i hope that the parents are include are, are encouraging their kids to compete because if you if your kids aren't in competition if they're not competing for for first chair violin and band or if they're not competing for a, a part in a, sta- a stage play or they're not competing in in, in some kind of sport activity you you're not as a parent you you are not fulfilling the 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 opportunity for them to learn about themselves that only through competition are you going to learn these things because life is one big competition they're going to they're going to compete for the rest of their lives and things they're going to compete for a spouse they're going to compete for a job once they get on a job they're going to compete for a promotion or they're going to compete for try to to get more customers they're, they're gonna they're gonna have stress throughout their entire life they're gonna they're constantly gonna have stress and 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 a big part of mental management what we teach is stress control and uh and so so uh and 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 if and if you if you can combine that with a with a healthy relationship with 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 your god <laughs> that that's a powerful that's a powerful combination you know i'm not uh, I'm not a minister, but 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 I recognize the the, the importance of that, and uh, as a Christian, we, we we move that that together with a, and try to try to make those 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 all fit. But it is a lot of the things that we do in middle management is uh, is applicable uh, beyond sport, Sure.
1: So, how many children do you have?
0: I have three children, three adult children, and they all work work in the company. They all teach mental management. Uh,
1: did you apply your the book that you've written about parenting, did you find yourself applying these principles yourself to your children?
0: I, I think I think I probably made every mistake that some of, the, <laughs> some of my kids I I, I I wish I had I wish I had what went. went when I was, when my kids were growing up, I was still competing for quite a while. I was coaching. I was coaching. Um, and, uh, i th- I think, in some ways, it helped them because I led by example, I mean we, we they're highly competitive, all three of them are highly competitive. I think, I think they it would have been very difficult for them to grow up in our home without being highly competitive and I'm certain that a lot of things that a lot of the principles that we teach today, we were still teaching then, and I'm sure they picked up on a lot of that but but I didn't really put together how important parenting was until uh much after my kids left home i i'm I'm certain that I am guilty of in raising them that this is if I could go back and do it and get over i would i would be different i i would i would there was a lot of things I would have done different just based on my book I would have done a lot of things different and uh, uh i uh i think that that when they first started learning to shoot uh i had an international shooting school at the time uh the they excelled uh quickly because we were had the only school in the world that was teaching mental mental skills at the same time you're teaching technical skills and i found out that when you did that they learned form faster and uh, so that was uh, that, that was a big game changer too for me when I found out that, that when I ran an international shooting school and I taught mental, mental skills at the same time early, and like when they first started learning how to shoot, uh, they progressed so much faster than the people that I had seen in other clubs uh, around the world. Uh, and it was because we were learning. The, I found out that when you teach mental skills in the beginning with anything, that they they learn form faster and when they and when they go to competitions their competitions are much more consistent than and consistently good too i mean my son troy um first competition i sent him to as a junior he won the second competition i sent him to was the national championships he won the national championships in the united states that's that's we're we're one of the at that point time in history we were we were the number one shooting school sh- shooting country in the world as far as uh um rifle was concerned so so that was a a um um a huge huge advantage to to him they they both went to college on shooting scholarships and f- full ride scholarships for college uh they both went to the army marksmanship unit brian unfortunately um uh, had an accident in training, basically training infantry training, and broke his back, and so w- wasn't able to con- continue to shoot. But Troy had a great, great career at the marksmanship unit. So the, I'm, I'm sure the kids picked up a lot, but but I wish it, if I had to do it over again, I'd do a better job.
1: Yeah, well, we learn. Um, I once, I think Muhammad Ali said, if I was the same man now as i was in my 30s it would have been a waste of 20 years and he was 50 when he said that so yeah. that makes sense
0: my whole life has been a uh an, an interesting i think in in one way there's been many of times in my life that i thought that something was happening to me when something was actually happening for me and i think a lot of people can relate to this for example i couldn't make the baseball team because i was slow short and uncoordinated nobody wants you to play baseball if you're like that you know and and i was devastated that that i i couldn't i couldn't make the lowest level of baseball you can possibly make is church church level little league i mean these are the people that can't make the school teams and any other teams. And, and so they, but that couldn't make that team. But I, but later on I realized that although I was disappointed that I was not, was rejected, that that wasn't happening to me. That was happening for me because if I'd have been even an average baseball player, I never would have won a gold medal in the Olympics and rifle shooting. And then I'm in school in sixth grade, and the teacher makes a statement in class. You know, it's possible somebody in this class could be Olympic champion someday. And the guy says, no, I don't have the best chance, but I don't have the worst chance. Lanny. I thought something was happening to me. I was devastated when I came home. Something wasn't happening to me. Something was happening for me. My Olympic dream was born because of that statement. I never would have won a gold medal in the Olympics if he hadn't said that. The first rifle uh, program I went to, the 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 very first one I went to, I got hooked on rifle shooting. They they I went back the second week they canceled the program, and I was devastated. They canceled. I just found shooting, and they canceled the program. But my dad um, said, "Don't worry about it." And he got he got the keys to an indoor range nobody was using. He began teaching me how to shoot. My father turned out to be a such a good coach that 15 months later, I was national junior champion in my country. And one of the reasons, it wasn't just because of him, but he was pivotal in me. He was such a good coach, such a solution-based coach. But also, my father was picked up as a coach at the Army Marksmanship Unit. So I was transferred to the Army Mark, he was transferred to the Army Marksmanship Unit where the best shooters in the world were so so I got a chance to meet the because my dad worked at where these guys worked too I, I the best in the world the best shooters in the world were in the army in the United States and where my dad worked and if 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 that program had not canceled, my father would never have gotten there. So it wasn't something that was happening to me. It was something uh, something that was happening for me. I just didn't see it at the time. Silver medal in the Olympics, because you choked. I was devastated with that silver medal. Now, don't get me wrong. A silver is 10 times better than a bronze. <laughs> and a bronze is 10 times better than no medal at all. And just making an Olympic team is a big deal. But but in my way of thinking, it's not winning. It's not a world title. It's not... for, for you ask any silver medalist and they will tell you that forever you will be you will be reminded that you didn't get the gold. And and so uh I was I was devastated with that silver medal. When I knew I had the goods, I I just didn't deliver. And but that wasn't something that was happening to me. That's my favorite medal of all the medals I've won that my favorite medal is the silver medal in 1972, because that medal gave me this business, something I love to do that's fed my family for 44 years. And I thought something was happening to me. Oh, come on.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. I, I have heard you say that and it makes you think, is it happening? To you or is it happening for you? I think retrospect helps with that. Yep. Um, but if you have the skill or ability or talent to recognize right there and then that's something which could be perceived as negative and you can switch it into a positive I think that's a uh, that that's speeds up the process. <laughs> um, Lanny, I know you've uh, given you've been very generous with your time and I want to thank you um, for coming onto the show. there's just two things. Uh, which I'd like to ask from you. Um, First thing is um, three tips for ultra runners. And then the second thing is I'd like for you to talk about your business, how people can contact you. And um, yeah, so how about that? Um, Three tips for uh, long distance runners.
0: Okay. The first thing is pay attention to your mental game because you're probably not giving it anywhere near the 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 attention that it that that it deserves secondly understand imprinting that every time you think about talk about write about something happening you become it so control what you think about control what you don't don't complain throw don't worry just 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 just, just think about what you want to have happen talk about what you want to have happen write about what you want to have happen it just uh, because because your self image is going is 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 in jeopardy. It's always growing or shrinking based based on 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 what what you're 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 doing. And 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 maybe the 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 last one is is keep a keep a performance journal. You know journal journal your 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 what you're doing every time you practice, every time you train, every time you go to a tournament. You know. Document what you did right. Document what you learned. Document what you want to do about it. uh I promise you, if you ever get in a slump, the quickest way to break a slump—a slump is when you know things are not—you start doubting yourself and things. You know, should i'm should I even be doing this? And maybe I should leave and do something else. And nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to go home and that kind of thing. If you go back to your journal in times when you were really doing great and read those journal entries, it'll break a slump quicker than anything. So, so document what, what's, what's happening. And don't, don't write a diary which you write down all, all the positive and the negative. That's a lack of performance journal. <laughs> write down only the things that you did right, the things that you learned, the things that you're going to do about it. And that would be my uh, my my goal. The other thing is is uh, t- t- as far as my the company is concerned, we can help you. We can help you if you let us know that you want us. Uh, you you can write me directly. You can send send me an email a, 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 an email at lanny at mentalmanagement dot com. Um, you can go to our website uh, mentalmanagement.com. dot uh, com. You can go to our store. I mean, we've got books and audios and things like that at mental Uh, we are in the process because of this COVID thing, we're in the process of creating, uh, and delivering webinars, online courses, things like that, where you, it certainly helps the international market. Uh, we have never done that before. We're, we just started doing that. And we're, we're in the middle of, of creating webinars, uh, now that would be applicable to just about any kind of activity, and uh, so so just let me know if you want to be on that mailing list or if you want to be on our newsletter or just just informed that of what we're what we're doing, and, and we will make sure that you get that you get uh, taken care of, and you can always do phone consultation with with myself or my kids or what whatever you want to do.
1: I just really uh, actually want to thank you from me to you. Thanks so much. Guys, thank you so much for taking the time to come visit my podcast, Christian Ultra, and listen to this episode. Lanny was a very special guest, and I hope now you can go out and apply aspects of his system to help you further your running, you know, whether that's – at a highly competitive level or just to enjoy it more okay so again I said earlier and I'll say again if you guys like my show if you dig it then subscribe you know the more subscribers I think this is what I hear other podcasters say um, the easier it is to find so go ahead and hit that subscribe button and also give me a rating that would be really cool um it's nice to hear feedback and see what you guys think about my show what else um oh yeah as well so anyone interested in online run coaching with me i specialize in ultra running so my 20 year history in running and endurance i've applied all my lessons and created a coaching system and i help runners all over the world It's pretty simple. You can go and visit my website which is www.christianultra.com and that's Christian spelled K-R-I-S-T-I-A-N ultra.com and then on there you can go and check out my packages and see what suits you and give me an email. Send me an inquiry and uh, let me know what race or event or FKT you've got coming up and I can help mentor you towards achieving your goals so go and check out my website also go ahead and uh, follow me on instagram facebook and twitter and all those social media handles because next year i'll be going for the fastest known time on the appalachian trail 2021 june 1st so if you want to follow my journey uh my training leading up to that and anything i would do doing between then and now, go ahead and follow me on social media and um, you can see updates on my training and how I'm gonna approach this okay so as i said also at the start of the show next week's guest is joe mcconaughey also known as string bean he is le- a legend actually you know in the uh, ultra running world he currently holds the fastest known time for the northbound self-supported record on the appalachian trail He's also second fastest overall, beating the likes of Scott Jurek, Karl Meltzer, Jen Far davis and all these other runners who did it in a supported fashion. So next week, I talk to him about his, um, you know, what he did on the trail and how he achieved that. And it's a great show. So don't forget to, again, subscribe and then just uh, check me out next week. All right, guys, have a great week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.